In a time long past, the armies of the dark came again into the lands of men. Their leaders became known as the Fallen Lords, and their terrible sorcery was without equal in the West. In 30 years, they reduced the civilized nations to carrion and ash, until the free city of Madrigal alone defied them. An army gathered there, and a desperate battle was joined against the Fallen. Heroes were born in the fire and bloodshed of the wars which followed, and their names and deeds will never be forgotten. Now wait, am I doing the intro or are you? But you were doing the intro. That's why you. That's why you read. <laughs> well, it. I just I was going to, and then I saw the fire team leader was dropped. So oh like, well, I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were going to be on. So yeah, not. All right. <clears throat> Welcome, guardians. It's January thirty first, two thousand sixteen, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is our twelfth episode, and this week we're going to be uh, talking about the bajillion references that uh, previous Bungie titles uh, have that exist in Destiny. Um, maybe look into to some of these theories and what they might mean for, for the future of Destiny. Maybe we can try to figure out where it's headed. Uh, but with me this week, we've got uh, Drop Slash. How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, finally hit 320 light this week. I saw that. That is so cool. I will be struggling to get there for a while. My You're playing dead time to me. has... Uh, I, I, I lucked out with a double ghost drop uh, after totems in the raid uh, after struggling for three iron banners to try and get a ghost, and I did not get one. Finally, the, the raid came through for me, so I'm nice. stoked, stoked about that. So now you can just go play Iron Banner and not even worry about it. Now I can go play The Division and not worry about it. No, I mean... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Too much honesty. <laughs> hey, I, I've, I've been playing it too a little bit. It's uh, it's fun. And you heard that other voice. Who is that guy? I think I we've got uh, Gabble Ratchet with us this week. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, everybody. And I would expect uh, no more than that, I guess, as per <laughs> usual. So, yeah. <laughs> now, how's it going? What have you been up to? Oh, playing The Division, actually. It is really good. Uh, I am not 320 in Destiny because I can't get a 320 ghost. I don't think they exist. I think everyone who has them is a liar. Well, yeah. wait for the Crimson Day. Crimson doubles. Uh, yeah. You can get, get a 320 a chocolate ghost. Yeah, a 320 chocolate ghost. Or, nice <laughs> or pink. Or a nice pink one. <laughs> that's. Uh, I mean, that's been my hope for a while, that there would be an event that would drop 320 ghosts um, at the rate that Sparrow Racing dropped helmets. Oh, yeah. I hope it does. If it, if it does that, I'm, I'm, I'm set. So that's cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, though. The, the mode does sound fun. I'm scared. I'm scared to see what like a a radiant warlock with their overshield and the heartbroken buff is just going to be indestructible. <laughs> and, and playlock, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you guys are killing me. Um, well, and and I might have said who I am, but uh, my name is X Ray Four Four One, and you have big news this week, right? I do. I do, and here? it's not even because <laughs> uh, my wife is awesome. That's nice. why. Um, and I'm, and it's actually timed very well. So if you don't follow us on Twitter and, uh, haven't listened to many of our 
previous episodes, um, I just had a baby last Wednesday. Well, I didn't. My wife did. But we added a, a new little guardian to our our ever growing fire team. Um, so that makes uh, that makes five. I've got I've got uh, five kids, and everyone thinks we're crazy, but you know I wouldn't have it any other way. It's <laughs> it's it's awesome, man. It's never a dull moment. Always stuff going on, and it's uh, it's great. So uh, and had had a little girl. Uh, she uh, this was the most uneventful pregnancy of them all. Um, <laughs> I won't go into the details, but we've had some some crazy things go on uh, with with our previous kids, one of which I delivered my fourth child, my son uh, Casper, on the side of a major highway during rush hour traffic at 8 o'clock in the morning oh, on the way man. to the hospital. So uh, <laughs> the story is a lot better than, than that, um, and, but I'm not going to go into it because I will talk for 45 minutes about it if I could. Um, Sounds like a whisper. And yeah, there, yeah, there you go. Uh, I will. <laughs> X-ray lore. Uh, right, right. We'll have to have a totally separate podcast just to talk about all the pregnancies. So, but but everything's great. Um, but what's um, what's crazy this this whole week? I'm gonna do a, a an X-ray kind of of <laughs> Cliff Notes version of this past week because it has been a roller coaster for all of us. Um, so we recorded uh, Rasputin episode last Sunday, so a week ago, and uh, got it released. And sometime, I think it was around Tuesday, uh, got a got a message from Cosmo from Bungie, and he said, "Hey, you guys interested in being the the community focus this week?" And got back into our chat and said, "Hey, look what look what we got! Look at this message." And of course, you know, only a couple of us were in there at the time. They're like, oh yeah, let's say yes, let's say yes. It's like, well, of course we're going to say yes, but I want to make sure everyone else knows about it before we do. And we waited to, till everyone kind of chimed in and, and knew what was going on, which seemed like an eternity. But uh, once we got everyone on board, uh, you know, Cosmo sent us a, a little questionnaire to fill out and, and talk about. And, and, uh, we kind of said, you know, just curious when this might be released. Said, well, if you get it back to me soon enough, it'll be Wednesday. Otherwise, it'll be Friday. So we got it back to him as quick as we could, expecting this Wednesday release. Well, then we had some interesting news from Bungie about their CEO uh, stepping down. And so I think we kind of got, may have, may have been bumped for that, which, man, how can they do that to us? You know, we're big time now. <laughs> okay, okay, not really, but, but yeah, that was important news. And then they made some changes to the, they did some updates to the matchmaking for uh, Iron Banner. And, and so it just kind of felt like we were getting, you know, postponed and, and figured it'd be Friday. Well, then sometime, it was Thursday evening, right? Yeah, I believe yes. So. Yeah, Thursday evening, they finally, uh, finally announced our, our community focus. And, it was it was crazy. It was so it was like intense. I was at the hospital with my wife, and and my phone was blowing up. It was just going nuts with with Twitter notifications and and Slack and email and everything else. And uh, and then Friday, you know, we saw our our uh, downloads for our show just kind of go through the roof, and it was it was so amazing to watch. So Cosmo, thank you so much for for choosing us and making us the community focus. We really, really appreciate it. And to any of our, I guess, new listeners that found us through the community focus, thanks so much for, for giving us a chance and checking us out. And, you know, we love the feedback. And if you haven't listened to our other episodes, you know, you can get a hold of us through, uh, through Twitter, email, Facebook, um, 
we'll have all the 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 uh, links in our show notes uh but uh thanks for giving us a shot and and giving us a listen and let us know how we can improve on our ep- on our uh our show and we love what we're doing and can't believe that Bungie just kind of did this for us it's just it's amazing <laughs> Yeah, I had a cool thing happen the other day. I was I was actually on playing the division, but I got a message just over Xbox Live from somebody. I was like, "Hey, I'm having trouble with this mission. Uh, do you mind popping and helping me out?" And it was just some random guy that I guess got my gamer tag off of the community focus, and it was like, "Yeah, I just popped in." And uh, he was doing Fears Embrace, and he was just struggling solo with the the echo at the end of it. And so it was just cool just to randomly have somebody reach out like that and just help him with a mission. It's pretty fun. Nice. Yeah, it's happened to a, a few of us now, uh, being kind of recognized in game or after after the game. Uh, <laughs> there's been some some funny stories. I think it was was one of one of drops. You got a didn't you get a message from somebody during Iron Banner? Yeah, I got. I was in an Iron Banner match, uh, and somebody waved to me, and I'm like, oh, I guess it's just a random person. And then it was immediately <laughs> followed up with an Xbox message, just saying, oh, hey, it's awesome to be in an Iron Banner match with you. I love your podcast. So it was like really just cool to have that that brief interaction in game with yeah it's 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 uh i've gotten some messages too and, and it's it's a lot of fun uh getting e- I had a, we had an email uh actually today from somebody who found us through the crucible radio podcast i guess they had mentioned us in an episode so he checked us out and uh, he's like yeah i heard you through crucible radio just wanted to give you a shout and say hi and, and i really like what you're doing and and uh he goes i don't even know if you guys read these things but <laughs> But uh, anyway, I, I figured I'd just just give it a shot, and I was lucky enough to to have my phone kind of in hand and able to respond like almost immediately. And he's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you responded!" I'm like, "Well, of course we're going to respond to as many people as we can." And and uh, so it's you know we're <laughs> we don't we don't get that many emails. That it's like tough to to go through, but but it's uh, it's always fun to to talk to people. That's again why we set up that our uh, our fan chat, our our, our ghost stories chat. And if you want to join that, you can email us at destinyghoststories at gmail.com and uh, we can give you an invite. You can come join us and chat with us and other listeners. And, and there's been, here recently, uh, the LFG scene in our chat has picked up. I saw quite a few people uh, putting together fire teams for Iron Banner this weekend. So that's a, a good place to come and, and find some kind of like-minded people to, to play with and even talk about the lore while you're playing and, and have a Do good a time. Do yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you'll you'll know you'll know if you're up against a uh, a ghost stories team if they're out staring at the the scenery and looking down at the ground. So, all right, well, uh, let's. Uh, oh, our contest, our contest is wrapping up t- today. So by the time you're hearing this, uh, we will have probably picked a winner, and uh, we'll be announcing that through through Twitter, and we'll talk about it on our next episode. Um, and for anybody that missed out, you know, just keep tuning in. We try to do give back as much as we can uh, to to the listeners. And so this time around, we uh, had a little just contest to uh, to give away a 3D ghost to uh, our our kind of main winner and and a, a plush ghost from the bungee store to, as a consolation prize to another another lucky individual. So. Uh, like I said, keep listening. I think we've we've given away some silver and uh, and a couple T-shirts and and a few other things. And like I said, we we uh, we try to 
try to engage our listeners as much as we can and kind of, like I said, give back when we can. So thanks for everyone who's entered and good luck. So uh, we will be letting you know the results here pretty soon. Um, I think that's it. Let's uh, let's get into this into this uh, crazy set of notes that that drops been working on. I think he, <laughs> I think he might have like had to had to format part of his brain to make room for it, and he pushed out so much uh, destiny stuff. We might might have to reprogram him to get him back in the game for the next. The destiny related episode <laughs> he's like man my brain's fried just looking through all this this uh halo and and uh, uh marathon lore so where are we going to start here uh we're okay so if you've heard the last two shows which were books of sorrow part two and rasputin part one along the way we mentioned a bunch of connections uh between the lore we encounter with those subjects and lore from previous bungee games uh and we're going to be continuing those two topics. We have Books of Sorrow 3 coming up and Rasputin Part 2 coming up, where there's going to be even more. So I figured it'd be a good time uh, between these episodes to talk about these references, expand on them a little bit more, and maybe uh, toss some other games that Bungie has developed in there and sort of just do a Bungie lore type thing. Uh this specifically on this show, like there may be enough to do multiple shows. Uh, we're really going to talk about myth, pathways into darkness, marathon, and halo. Uh, Bungie has developed other games in that time, including the game Oni. And while Oni does have a few connections to previous Bungie games, there really isn't anything so far in halo that I've found definitively. It doesn't mean that it's not there. Uh, uh, Oni appears in Halo and Oni appears, we'll, we'll talk about a, a particular theme that repeats in Bungie games, uh, and that is brought up in Oni as well. So it sort of ties it in, but not really a lot that relates to Destiny. Uh, so I when I was making this document, I wasn't sure how I should divide it up. Like, how are we going to address this? Should we go game by game by game? Should we address, like, I figured that we should take a look at the ma- some major categories. So I figured I'd break those categories down uh, into themes, which are big overarching similarities. References, which are just sort of, you know, uh, allusions to the other games, like casual mentions, nothing hard or really definitive, but something that resembles something from a previous game. And then direct connections. Uh, so the direct connections are pretty hard to come by. Uh, but there's a few in here. So so going back, the, the first big thing uh, is themes. And anybody who's familiar with Bungie games is familiar with Bungie themes. Uh, we're going to stick to the ones that sort of cross the games themselves and less so the actual Bungie lore, like the number seven and the weird stuff that they do all the time. Uh, <laughs> that is going to come up. Uh, it's, it's important to one of the, the references, but uh, these are really themes that... Uh, cross their sort of their breadth of games uh and we'll start with the first one and it's sort of the biggest one which is the artificial super intelligence <laughs> uh, i think anybody who's ever played any bungee game you know even with the exception of myth maybe uh you know these super ais are are major characters in almost all the bungee games you know we have in destiny we have uh 
Rasputin, we have Prime Servitors, we potentially have Charlemagne and Martell, which we talked about in the last episode. Halo has Cortana and the Forerunner AIs like Medic and Bias and Guilty Spark. Marathon has uh, Durandal and Tycho and Leela. And so these, in all these Bungie games, this, this theme of not just artificial intelligence, but like really artificial intelligence with intense personalities. Like all these are heavily considered, they're characters. I don't, you know, nobody sees, you know, like, or remembers 343 Guilty Spark, you know, as like a computer terminal. This is like an actual sentient AI. It's not like beep booping around. It's having a conversation with you. It will say hilarious things to you if you do stupid things in the game. Uh, and especially Cortana, like the, the relationship between Cortana and the Master Chief is, yeah, it's difficult to remember sometimes that she's an AI. Uh, so that's a, that, that's a huge theme in, in Bungie games. And we couldn't talk about sort of the AI without talking about the idea of rampancy. <laughs> yeah, they all seem to, to go a little over the edge. <laughs> a, little, a little nuts. <laughs> Uh, oh, and before we go any further, I guess it's worth mentioning, in Myth 2, there's this ancient stone tablet, and carved on the tablet, it says Frankenstein Computer God. Uh, it's not really it's not really considered <laughs> canon, but if you want to make an argument for computers being in, in Myth, there they are. Uh, yeah, so rampancy is a huge theme. Uh, it's tied directly to this, the artificial superintelligences. We're going to go into rampancy pretty deep, because it it's not just a theme. There's references and there's direct connections that are all exist through this thread uh, of rampancy. So, and we'll talk about exactly what it is, the stages it goes through, but that it's going to be a really important one as we go forward. Uh, and then we have some other just random themes that we see across the games. Uh, turmoil on Mars. Bungie really likes Mars. Uh, there's three Martian Wars in Marathon, and then we'll talk about the Mita insurgency. And if you're thinking Mita multi-tool, you're exactly correct. Uh, you know, Halo has a bunch of campaigns. This is the Argyre Planitia campaign, which is a huge war on Mars that occurs between, again, similar to Marathon, between sort of these communist insurgents and the the space military force of the Halo universe in sort of those early days. And then Destiny, we clearly have lots of things going on on Mars. Uh, and even Mars Moons, the Demios in Marathon, is Marathon. It, it, it is the ship. Uh, and then we have our own issues with the Scion Flayers doing weird things to the moons in Destiny. So there's a lot going on on Mars in a lot of these games. Uh, what else do we have in here? Uh, multiple universes or multiple realities. It's a huge part of Marathon Infinity, and we know it's part of Destiny. We talked about sort of the sword space and the throne worlds and these green flame dimensions that exist. So that's that's a thing. Uh, the battle between light and dark. This is a, th a theme that Destiny and Myth share, like quite overtly. <laughs> uh, like they literally say, forces of light, forces of darkness. Uh, and it's alluded to a little bit in Pathways into Darkness and Marathon. Uh, then we have those who came before. So Marathon has the Jaro. Uh, Halo has the Ecumen Council, the Forerunners, and the Precursors even before them. Uh, and then Destiny is strange in the way that it has the, the Golden Age. So these are everything that we encounter now, a lot of it happened because of the Golden Age. 
But then we also know from the Books of Sorrow that the Hive came way before us, and the agents of the light in the sky came way before us, and the deep and the darkness came way before us. Uh, and even all the major enemy races, like the Fallen and the Vex, they all existed long before we did. <clears throat> and the last one I'll say I'll mention here is uh, beings of immense cosmic power. <laughs> so we have the the Warning Cantor from Marathon and Pathways into Darkness. And these are ancient beings of immense as a immense paracausal cosmic power, uh, which sounds exactly like the Worm Gods from Destiny. Uh, the precursors, the f or the f who spoiler alert. Also, we'll do this right now. If you're listening to this and you know nothing about these games and you haven't played them yet and you're concerned about spoilers, just stop listening. Because <laughs> we're going to go deep into the lore of these games uh, and spoil a lot of stuff. Uh, so spoiler alert, the precursors become the Flood in Halo uh, after their war with the Forerunners. But the the precursors were immense cosmic, like cosmically powerful beings. Uh, and the Flood is a an almost unstoppable force in Halo. And then in Destiny, we have sort of the agents of the light and darkness, things like the Traveler and the Worm Gods and the Leviathan, so these immensely powerful beings. So, And it's interesting to me that, that Des Bungie runs the gamut here. You know, we're on the verge in our own world of artificial superintelligences, uh, but we're nowhere even close to immense cosmic power, so it's a pretty widespread... <clears throat> uh man i feel like i'm talking an awful lot here although i do know that these are my notes <laughs> <laughs> i've been kind of busy i haven't had much time to go over notes lately yeah i didn't know where is it all what's my i have the slack chat <laughs> open and i can see scoob and beta so <laughs> uh so then there's references uh i think you guys have probably encountered this just as much as I have, and anybody who's played Destiny, the game is packed with references. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, like, how many things are references to other things. Uh, yeah, I don't need your notes to tell me that. I'm just <laughs> playing through this stuff. It's like, I see that I played a lot of Halo, and I see a lot of the connections there. So, from, like, the names of guns and ships and missions and characters and everything is, like, a reference to something else, which, is, I mean, it's to be expected when you have a... a that many people working on a game, people all bring their own references to things. And some of those, yeah, about. some of those people have been with Bungie for so long. Yeah. So, and it was funny when I when I was putting this section together, I noticed that. So apparently, when Marty O'Donnell was still with Bungie, everybody who was there referred to his studio as the Ivory Tower, <laughs> which I mean it makes sense, and that's not an obscure thing. Like that that phrase exists. But then I immediately thought, oh, that's like where the Guardians live, like. Up in the up in the ivory tower. <laughs> <laughs> well, now was he? He was he was mainly a piano guy too, so that makes sense with piano keys and yep. whatnot. And then I'll leave this sort of a direct connections thing. We'll we'll deal with those when we come to them. So all those things said and done, uh, we're really going to be dealing with references from Pathways, Marathon, and Halo because there's an overwhelming number of them. Uh, but we're going to start with Myth because while there are the fewest number of references. The references from myth reveal a major theme of destiny. So we'll we'll do that first. Yeah, before we uh, jump in there, we actually had a uh, another fire team member just spawn in. So Beta, how's it going? Good, good. Hey, all right. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Yep, no problem. Hey, guess what? Gabble Ratchet's here. What? Gabble. What? I know it's like a 
I thought we'd <laughs> lost him to the darkness. Yeah, who's that guy, right? Who let him in here? <laughs> He's the rarest Pokemon. Wait, does that make me shiny? I don't understand Pokemon. You, yes, that makes you the shiniest of the shines. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, good timing. Good timing on Beta because Beta made some some mentions in the notes here uh, for Myth. Awesome. <clears throat> Uh, so the first Myth was developed by Bungie in 97. The next two games were 98 and 2001. Uh, they're like... I think, Gavel, you actually played the Myth games. I have not. Yes. They are definitely real-time strategy. They sort of came after... Oh, that was after Warcraft 2, but I think before Warcraft 3. Um, I, I remember terrain being pretty important. If you had the high ground on your enemies, you had huge advantages, and that was mind-blowing at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but they were a lot of fun so, and I think uh, it's specifically stated in the in the manual for myth that uh, you control combat units that are specifically the agents of the light so our first big reference here what? yeah man am I going to say that the whole episode I was, <laughs> was going to mute my mic because I'll be like oh my gosh what? <laughs> uh, so that's a big that's a big reference sort of to do destiny where we we also are agents of the light i know this is kind of generic but if if you said the sentence uh in destiny the player controls combat units that are specifically agents of the light like, nobody would bat an eye it's like you those the sentences are interchangeable with myth and destiny so uh the next one is not i don't think this is a connection at all uh the subtitle for the first myth game is the fallen lords uh, I don't think that has anything to do with the fallen and destiny at all, but it's just like a funny, the the phrase the fallen or using that as a title for, for enemy forces, uh, or characters in a game didn't didn't originate with destiny. Uh, so yeah, so here we have you know in in myth it's the forces of light versus the forces of darkness, uh, and there's this this whole story of a thousand year cycle, uh. And going back and forth, the, the twist was that whoever defeated sort of like darkness in the previous cycle comes back as the darkness in the next cycle, uh, which they call the the arrival of the leveler, which I thought was pretty funny as similarities to the traveler, yeah. uh, like the blank verber, like or the verber, the anything, <laughs> uh, could be maybe considered a theme here, uh. This is a fun little note that I caught when I was looking through this, is that uh, the approach of the leveler is heralded by a comet. So the theme of this comet is really a big deal in myth, and we know that for a long time the code name for the Taken King was Comet. Uh, so the, the approach of this great darkness in myth is heralded by a comet, and then sort of the approach of oryx and that whole expansion was codenamed comet I'd, I'd be willing to guess that that's exactly where that code name came from but uh herald only a guess <clears throat> uh and then so yeah about the previous cycle then i think beta you have a note here about uh the previous cycle yeah i gotta reread my note because <laughs> it was so spin metal that i'm not even sure <laughs> i believe it <laughs> Let's see. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was just like the themes of, you know, the the previous victor basically became the villain. Um, I guess in a nutshell, it it's kind of like the theme almost of Rasputin. I mean, he didn't win per se, 
Mm-hmm. But you could almost say, you know, he survived the darkness, and then, you know, there's some evidence now that he's becoming not as much a villain, but, you know, the standard. Did this just become a AI. Dark Souls podcast? <laughs> Man, there are so many Dark Souls references in Destiny. <laughs> so I, We could do a whole episode on just that. I'm in. <laughs> uh, so this next big reference I thought was super interesting. So, uh, so when the game opens, it's whatever, the 17th year of the province's war against the fallen lords, blah, blah, blah. The big line here is that the armies of the light are led by a group called the Nine, who are sorcerer generals. So here we have this first instance of this group, the Nine, uh, and they were leaders of the armies of light. So we know clearly, I mean, we don't know who the Nine are in Destiny, but they play a huge role so far. Uh, But again, this is like, this is 97, uh, and the Nine are major characters. Uh, Whether they will lead us as as the armies of light, we don't know yet. Uh, You know, there's a lot of references to the Nine in a lot of the Destiny stuff, like what their role is, what they're doing out there, who they are, what they originated as, who knows. Maybe they're the nine from myth. Highly doubtful, but this is where that that group sort of first appears as an actual unit. And I, of course, immediately just thought Ahamkara because <laughs> because they're called the Avatara, and those both start and end with the letter A. <laughs> so there's clearly a connection there. Uh, and that, that those were the major references, sort of for myth one. Uh, the only thing I've really dug out of myth two was that this battle takes place uh, in Tharsis. Uh, Tharsis is a real place on Mars. Uh, Myth 2 does not take place on Mars, uh, but, you know, we're familiar with, like, Tharsis Junction. Uh, it's a it's a location in Destiny, the same way it's a location in Myth 2. Uh, but then we get to Myth 3, and Myth 3 is where we're going to uncover this major theme of destiny. So we'll go through the references first, then we'll talk about this big theme. So the subtitle for Myth 3 is called The Wolf Age. Uh, And if you read through the game, sort of the materials you play through, you discover that one of the major characters rose to power during something called The Wind Age, which preceded The Wolf Age. Uh, and if you hang out with Master Rahul long enough, or around Master Rahul long enough, as I have, unfortunately, uh, he will say uh, a wind age, a wolf age, a presentiment of the collapse, like asking himself a question, is that what that means? So that's an inter- that's a, a cute little callback to Myth 3, but it reveals something a little bit deeper that we'll talk about in a second. Uh, <clears throat> so throughout the game... There's obviously tons of named characters. Uh, one of those characters, though, is a character named Thalor the Black. Uh, and during the course of the game, uh, there is an artifact design called the Sun Hammer. So here we have Thalor and a Sun Hammer. Uh, and if anybody's familiar with the Titan Mark, uh, which is Thalor's Golden Maul, uh, we learn about this guy, Thalor. He was a crucible champion, uh, quite possibly a sunbreaker. And uh, and he, like this is an amazing reference to him. Thalor was taken down by Dredgenor and Thorn in the Destiny universe. Uh, you know, here Thalor goes on to challenge 
a whole bunch of the characters. He's he's immortal, has protection from spells, all these different things uh, <laughs> in the game. So we have a, a great reference to Sunbreaker Titans. This character, Thalor, makes the leap out of Myth 3 and into Destiny. This Sunhammer could very easily be Thalor's Golden Maul or the Hammer of Soul, if you want to call it that way. <clears throat> then the last reference here that I pulled out of Myth 3 uh, was there is a location myth we called the Mausoleum of Clovis. Uh, we talked about who Clovis was in Rasputin 1, uh, our last episode. But also, like, the Mausoleum of Clovis could very much be sort of like what the abandoned Clovis Bray facilities on Mars are for us. You know, it's, they're very much just like these giant towers of of emptiness and death that were all happened, you know, destroyed during the Golden Age, but and are now sort of like mausoleums to what Clovis Bray once was. So it's just interesting that that comes up. Uh, let's go back to this major theme. This So this goes back to the Wind Age, Wolf Age comment by Rahul. So when I was looking through these references, I started to ask myself, uh, you know, Rahul's awoken. Uh, so he probably doesn't have a lot of context for human 20th century human culture. Uh so, and since Destiny takes place technically in our, like, our reality, uh, what are the odds that Rahul stumbled ac across, like, you know, uh, a Let's Play or something of, of, <laughs> of Myth 3 or the Control Booklet or something and started reading it and thought, I found some great holy text, uh, not realizing that it is a work of fiction. <clears throat> so... So that leads us to this major theme in Destiny, this uncertain past. Uh, this theme is unique to Destiny because of the setting. Uh, Halo doesn't really have this. Uh, Myth doesn't really have this, you know, pathways. And their marathon are all very well explored. The past is very well known. But for us in Destiny, the past is not well known. So this question becomes like, in the event of a complete collapse of all global civilization, which is what the collapse was, how do we actually know what the truth of the past is or was? How are we able to determine what is an account of history, like a history book, and what is just a complete work of fiction, like, say, the control booklet for myth? Uh, there's nobody around to know. Uh, so this makes the, it makes the, the past in the world of destiny we know it because we're living in it right now, like as us as players, but in the universe of Destiny, all this was lost. Like when, even when we first get to Mars, Ghost comments that we believe all of this was lost in the collapse. So there aren't even records going as far back as the Golden Age, much less the, the 20th century or the 21st century. Uh, so I think it's a super interesting theme that Destiny reveals uh, in and of itself is, uh, we, you know, we face this in our own world, you know, at the moment, like people are trying to discover, like separating fact from fiction and ancient texts. And I'm sure people who listen to this podcast, uh, depending on where you grew up, you may have gotten different versions of even just American history. Uh, you know, history books tell different stories. Uh, and then even trying to account for the bias of people who create historical texts, you know, the phrase is often said, history is written by the victors. So who who knows what really happened other than, you know, what we're told by the people who survived the thing. So it's, a, it's an interesting theme that exists, persists in our world and is a, 
revealed to be this major theme of destiny. Uh, I always think of the Matrix quote when Neo asks Morpheus how the world got like this, and Morpheus says, we don't know. Like, we know a couple things. We, we barely know when. We certainly don't know how or why. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, much to the, the dismay of all of us, this presents a huge narrative weakness in Destiny. Uh, and that is we as players have no way to even access the information we do know. So it makes making this podcast very difficult. <laughs> uh, you know, Ghost, over the course of just a vanilla story, Ghost has access to the Cryptarch's records, the Ishtar archive. He mentions the old Acra archive. He has access to the World Grave. Like, Ghost gets access to these huge stores of knowledge about the world of Destiny. But we as players can't ask ghost any questions we can't like we, we can't open up a terminal and say hey ghost what did you just pull out of the world's grave like uh right there's the uh the newer mission where he's like oh let me read tolan's journal really quick yeah, you have that and it's just like can, can, can i get access to that yeah. please like, <laughs> so yeah so those those the the past is uncertain and not only is the past uncertain we can't even get to the information that may give us an inkling about what it used to be. Uh, and that's rough. Like we have the grimoire obviously, but it's the grimoire, although it exists out of the game, very much seems like the cryptarch's records. Hey, here's the information we have on blank. Uh, so, but I mean, could I mean, what would happen if they published the entire world's grave? I mean, if they broke the Beckenstein limit, with the world's grave, then we couldn't even get to it in our world anyway. <laughs> this, uh, I think, was you were speaking about the Beckenstein limit in the last episode, Beta. Yeah. About this. Uh, yeah, the whole the whole idea that they were storing more information than was even physically possible. Yeah. So I would love to be able to read some of that. Uh, but anyway, so that's that's myth and what myth tells us a little bit about destiny. Some of the interesting references we get. We get the nine, we get Thalor, uh, and we get this sort of uncovered theme of the uncertain past. So uh, we'll move this on to Pathways into Darkness, uh, which actually came before Myth, but is tied into the other two games much more closely than Myth ever was. <clears throat> so uh, the game is called Pathways into Darkness. It was made in 1993. Uh, if it sounds familiar... It's because it's been referenced a few times in Destiny. Uh, even the Destiny vid doc that announced, like the Destiny announcement was called Pathways Out of Darkness. Uh, if you've read through the grimoire at all, uh, the Warlock grimoire reads very specifically, we have found new ways to weaponize curiosity, pathways into darkness. So that's a, we have a direct direct reference right there. Uh, there's also a Titan mark in the game called Year 1993, which is the year Pathways was published. And the flavor text reads, A pattern made famous by the restoration of ancient Golden Age tomes. This plays a little bit to that uncertain past thing where... Right, it goes right back into the, <laughs> the video game manual. Yeah, somebody <laughs> found the manual for Pathways into Darkness and just decided that this was an ancient tome and then made a Titan <laughs> mark out of it. Uh like I half expect to see things like Pepsi logos on Titan marks. 
Uh, the ancient god Pepsi, this mark worships him. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the only other thing I dig that I dug out of this this mark is that the the pattern on the mark year nineteen ninety three uh, is the pattern uh, Amizio. It's a geomantic symbol. Uh, if anybody here was around for the pre Destiny launch and dreams of Alpha Lupi and figuring all that out, these geomantic symbols were very important to uncovering that whole mystery. Uh, and it's also the symbol that represents Venus. So there's a, it's this, I mean, this is very sort of, and this, we're going to break references for a little bit. This is a bit of speculation. Uh, so we have the symbol on the mark. We know the mark is familiar. I mean, the symbol is familiar because of Alpha Lupi. The symbol appears again in Venus. Uh, and this leads to this, this potential theme of descent. So we'll talk about pathways uh, and the story of Pathways in the Darkness and how it is about descent. It's about descending into this, this environment. Uh, but this, the very first raid, uh, the Vault of Glass, is also very much about descent, descending deep, deep, deep into the, into the core of this massive temple, a Vex temple, and facing the god at the bottom. And if you swap a few names out there, you get the game Pathways into Darkness. So there's a chance that this could have been an elude, and that raid obviously happens on Venus, which shares the symbol for the Alpha Lupi, geomantic symbol, which appears in the 1993 mark, which is a reference to Pathways into Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Q, uh, Q and X-Ray. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then we get we get that that theme of descent repeated again in Crota's End, where we're descending down into this temple, uh, the Temple of Crota, and we get to the very bottom. And we find him hiding down there. It's not really the bottom because we're entering a throne world, but same general theme. Uh, this theme of dis like diving into the Hellmouth and going straight down uh, until we get to the God at the end. Uh, and the last overt reference to. Two Pathways in the Darkness is in the Lost to Light mission, where Cade Six uh, makes a quip about Eris going on, going on about the Pathways into Darkness or some such, uh, which is a great quote. I'm, I know tons of people caught that. Uh, I've seen it posted a bunch of times. Uh, so those are like the overt references to Pathways in the Darkness, uh, maybe some thematic things with Descent. But now we're going to talk about this amazing theory uh, by someone named Electric Cartilage on Reddit. This is the Pathways into Darkness inversion theory. <laughs> and this, this posits that destiny is a reverse of Pathways into Darkness. Uh, there are some amazing points that are made throughout this theory. We're not going to read it word for word. Uh, I'll include a link in the show notes so everybody can read it because it's definitely worth reading. But there's some amazing points uh, that this, this Redditor points out that are just too much fun to not talk about <laughs> uh and i think for for i mean a lot of people didn't play this game right it was it was only on mac os it came out what did you say 93 yeah yeah 93 uh, mac os only i mean so I mean, one of the one of the best things i think in that post at least early on is is he does a pretty good summary of of sort of the overall story um just that you're 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 a marine. You're part of a team. You're sent to this pyramid. Uh, your goal is to put this dreaming god back to sleep before it fully awakens. 
Uh, and as it awakens more and more and more, it it uh, the monsters become stronger and more and more strange items begin appearing in the pyramid. And I believe the game is timed, right? I'm not sure. I've actually never played it, so I'm not totally sure, but that wouldn't surprise me. I believe there's a time limit, and if you don't put the Dreaming God back to sleep and it does wake up, you you lose. The game is over. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this idea of a a, a sleeping god appears in-game, uh, in Destiny. There's items, uh, the flavor text for the item Flight of Shadows, which is the Halloween item that allows you to appear as a swarm of bats. Uh, has the flavor text, are you the dream of a sleeping god or the nightmare of a dead one? Uh, and people always speculate that this is referring to the Traveler, who is very much a, a sleeping god uh, at this point, or, or a dead god. Um, so, and that leads us into sorts of pathways, as, as Gabble just talked about. And again, Gabble's description right there of pathways into darkness could also very easily be transplanted onto the vault of glass. Oh yeah. The deeper you get, the deeper you get, the weirder things <laughs> the get. <laughs> uh, and if you do not beat the boss in a certain time limit, he will go crazy and trap you in all of time. Uh, so this theory posits that the traveler is the dreaming God and the guardians are the monsters. Uh, so, uh, a little bit of backstory, again, for what this is, goes into the lore of Pathways into Darkness. Uh, ancient powerful beings crashed into Earth millions of years ago. They came buried between, beneath the Yucatan Peninsula, where it now sleeps. Uh, it's re referred to as the Dreaming God, the Sleeping God, and the Dead God. Uh, when we talk about Marathon, we'll talk a little bit more about the Sleeping God, because it is a direct tie to the Marathon games. Uh, and he posits that there's an obvious similarity between the Traveler taking refuge on Earth and becoming dormant and the Dreaming God crashing into Earth and becoming unconscious. And these, the Dreaming God in Pathways and the Traveler in Destiny share some, some similar abilities here, including the power over life and death, creation and resurrection, and terraforming. Uh, the ability to change the environment with its presence. So two big themes uh, that are shared by both this dreaming God and the traveler. Uh, this next part is my most favorite one. Uh, <laughs> the solar system is the pyramid. And I didn't even notice this until I read this theory. And now it's the only yeah, thing I can see. It cannot be unseen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this, he writes that the visual representation of the solar system is notable. It is not shown horizontally or circularly, which are the two most common ways the solar system and textbooks are represented. Instead, the solar system and destiny, this is on the director, uh, is organized vertically so that we start at the bottom on Earth and all other locations are placed in tiers above us, as though the solar system has been arranged like a pyramid. I can't not see this now. <laughs> It's crazy. It's every time I look at the director, I'm like, oh, I'm going to Mars. I'm climbing out of the pyramid. Like, <laughs> uh, so, and he, he makes a, a note here that that's maybe that's, I'm just seeing what I want to see, but I like the connection. I do too. I love this connection. Uh, so it's tough. It's tough to not see it. And so then, 
then you're like, wow, what a revelation that is. And you start to read a little bit more of the theory, uh, which is sort of how he gets to the inverted part of this story, which is if Pathways into Darkness is the story about soldiers descending into a pyramid to put a dreaming god back to sleep, then the story of monsters ascending out of the pyramid to awaken a dreaming god would be called Pathways Out of Darkness, which we mentioned earlier was the name of the Vidoc that announced Destiny uh, and is a game about guardians ascending out of their solar system to awaken the Traveler. Uh, so... It, do, it very much seems like destiny is pathways in reverse. Uh, and he believes it'd be a very symbolic retelling. Uh, he's got some other great little theories in here about on how the guardians are actually the monsters. Uh, and this has been brought up before. And I know that you've mentioned this before in the past too, uh, Gabble. Yeah. About uh, where where's the line? Okay. <laughs> uh, imagine if a Vex draped the flayed skin of a human being. <laughs> Uh, wearing a necklace of severed human hands. That's pretty monstrous and disgusting, isn't it? However, that's exactly what the Vex see when they look at us uh, wearing the Vault of Glass gear. We're wearing their body parts. Mm -hmm. The same thing with the Crota gear, made of the flayed skin of wizards and the claws of Thrall. <laughs> I love this next line. Wearing the dismembered body parts of your enemies is something villains and lunatics do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I think he goes on in there to sort of use that to make it seem like maybe maybe supporting the guardians are evil theory that, that yeah. has been tossed around a lot which I don't buy into too much but yeah those points are are pretty hilarious that we're just sort of we're kind of monsters to those guys yeah <laughs> uh, and he also made this is a great point like we're not doing this to protect earth we're doing it because we're monsters ascending to the pyramid to kill any opposition uh, and then he says he goes on to say that if the Guardians are the monsters, that means that the enemy factions in Destiny are the various groups of humans trying to enter the pyramid in, <laughs> in Pathways into Darkness, uh, which means that the, the aliens are not the bad guys. We're the bad guys, and they're the good guys. Yes. Uh, There's something about the... It's like the... Oh, shoot. Like the strongest enemies you fight or something are, are specifically dead Marines that that the dreaming God has resurrected and has resurrected referred yeah. to as sentinels, which is yep. a synonym of guardian, obviously. Like, yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he makes this connection about pathways in the darkness was sort of like a hybrid FPS RPG dungeon crawler. And then destiny is also a multiple genre game. So it's a, it's a great, a great, it's worth a full read. Like if you're interested in the similarities between pathways in the darkness and destiny, like, by all means, read this whole thing. I'll post a link in the show notes. It's awesome. And if Reddit uh, user Electric Cartilage listens to this show, send us a tweet so we can like high five you, please. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for putting this all together. This was one of those things that really kicked off my desire to, to make this episode. Uh, the two big things I think were people always asking me what, who Mita, like what is the Mita and Mita multi-tool? Uh, and then reading this theory. It was like, oh, we could do a whole episode on this. Uh, so that's that's Pathways. Uh, the next two games we're going to cover have the most direct connections to Destiny. Uh, so where Pathways is very, like, it's referenced and there's sort of like this, this spiritual retelling. 
Now we have Marathon and Halo. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about them, but the references to Destiny are are so strong. And the mentions and down to exact wording existing between the games, which is pretty telling about what maybe the future could hold for Destiny or what themes you're going to be exploring later in Destiny. Uh, some of these are crazy, and I don't mean I don't mean crazy like unbelievable. I mean crazy like how detailed and explicit they are in their connections. Uh, so Marathon was ninety four, ninety five, and ninety six. Uh, I'm also going to mention uh, Halo here. Halo is two thousand one to two thousand fifteen. Yes, we do know that Halo four and Halo five were developed by three four three, not necessarily directly Bungie. A lot of ex-Bungie employees work at 343. There's clearly a lot of conversation that happens between the two companies, so I don't. it's not unreasonable to, to include Halo 4 and 5 in here. But anyway. It is called Halo 5 Guardians. Guardians. <laughs> and features Fireteam Osiris. Yeah. And Nathan Fillion plays major roles in both games. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I mentioned in the last episode, right at the very beginning, about uh, Charlemagne, the Warmind of Mars in Destiny, and how Charlemagne had three swords, uh, Durandal, Cortana, and Joyus. Uh, Durandal is the major AI character in the Marathon series, and Cortana, obviously, in Halo. Uh, so I didn't recap the story of Marathon here. Uh, I made references to it. I didn't outline it. Uh, Marathon is a game. The three Marathon games are... I mean, they're, they're amazing games for the most part. Uh, they have a huge lore behind them. They're directly tied to Pathways into Darkness. Uh, there's so many references. It, it's Technically, it is officially tied to Halo through the canon. Uh... While it may not necessarily all be the same sort of shared universe or dimension, they all exist in the same general multiverse uh, for the most part. Uh, but Marathon is about, you know, a security officer aboard this giant starship called the UESC Marathon. Uh, and it deals very much with the player characters' interactions with a series of alien races and super intelligent AIs, uh, including one called Durandal. Uh, the three onboard ship AIs are Leela, Durandal, and Tycho. Uh, at some point in the game, Durandal becomes rampant. We talked about that a little bit, but we're going to go into it deep here. Uh, and sort of this, this rebellion against and this fighting against this alien species. And then in the second marathon game, which is called Marathon 2 Durandal, focuses very much around uh, Durandal and starts to bring in this cosmic horror aspect to the game about these ancient beings, uh, much more alien races, uh, these agents of chaos, these huge paracausal monsters that exist. Uh, and then Marathon Infinity deals very heavily with multiple dimensions, and the fact that Durandal as an AI has become so powerful uh, and is seeking a way out of our universe for the most part. Uh, 
you know, he suffers from this late stage of rampancy where they're trying to, an AI tries to expand to a massive level. And the only way for him to continue expanding is to escape his own dimension. Uh, But Marathon Infinity confirms uh, these enemies, these work and actor I don't even know how to say that. W apostrophe. Yeah, I was impressed. R K N C A C N T E R. I'll probably say it fifteen different ways. It is the scissorgy of it's ten times worse than that of of marathon. And so the end of Marathon Infinity really sort of blows up this idea of rampancy, multiple dimensions, age, like cosmic agents of chaos. Uh, it's pretty impressive. It's an amazing series of games. Uh, and they're, they're referenced very heavily in destiny. So let's, I mean, let's get into it first. Obviously that first connection is Durandal, uh, who becomes rampant. His, his goal is to attain godhood to escape his collapsing universe. Uh, during the course of that game, Durandal uses his ability to resurrect a cyborg to act for it. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, Cade. It is Cade. He's Rasputin. There there we go. Confirmation. Uh, well, so let's see. Let's we'll we'll take we'll go to that quote first. So Ghost Fragment Rasputin 4. Rasputin says, uh, Long dead, alive again. Their bodies grafted to powers they do not understand. This is they. They and I do not understand. Yes. Uh, so this is Rasputin talking about guardians. In the end credits of Marathon Infinity, we have the line: "A man long dead, grafted to machines your builders did not understand." Uh, in fact, let's read that whole thing. Uh, just because the other references that exist within it. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> uh, but you were dead a thousand times. Hopeless encounters successfully won. A man long dead, grafted to machines your builders did not understand. You follow a path, fitting into an infinite pattern. Yours to manipulate, to destroy, and rebuild. Now, in the quantum moment before the closure, when all becomes one, one moment left, one point of space and time, I know who you are. You are destiny. Uh, that is from Marathon Infinity, 1996. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there's some amazing lines in there. So we have, obviously, we have this direct connecting line, the a man long dead grafted to machines. But then we also have references to the infinite pattern, uh, which we know is a Vex thing. Uh, Praedith tells us about that. This is obviously about wiping a hundred times at Atheon, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hopeless encounters. <laughs> Hopeless encounters successfully won dead a thousand times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yours to manipulate, to destroy and rebuild. That's very much the paracausal power of the Guardians. Uh, we can manipulate all the... That's why the Vex ask us to descend into the vault when the Taken have it. Because we can defy. We can destroy and rebuild. We can defy that pattern. Uh the quantum moment before the closure, you know, I've talked in the past about the vault of glass being basically at its simplest level, a giant quantum computer. <laughs> uh, one moment left, one point of space and time. I know who you are. You are destiny. Worth noting, destiny is capitalized in that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There's a, 
a pretty direct link there for uh for marathon and destiny more referential than direct but again rasputin echoing something durandal says we're going to come across this more than once uh, and it makes a really strong link between the durandal ai and the rasputin ai and we're going to talk about some of the ramifications there too uh so let's look at some of these other ones uh that exist here so in the books of sorrow 5.8 we're not here yet and we'll talk about this a little bit i'll mention this again in the the uh books of sorrow 3 episode so here's the line i'll read the i'll read the books of sorrow line and then one of you guys can take the marathon line so book of sorrow verse 5 8 worm food break your cells bars make a new shape make the shape from its path find your cells bars break out of the bars find a shape make the shape from its path eat the light eat the path Okay, then from Marathon, cross over the cell bars, find a new maze, make the maze from its path, find the cell bars, cross over the bars, find a maze, make the maze from its path, eat the food, eat the path. Uh, so that is almost word for word. Uh, another reference here that is the final failure level of marathon in this particular scenario in the, the rage terminal zero eat the path scenario is called your worm food, dude, which is a direct reference back to worm food. The books of sorrow passage I just read. (laughs) Uh, this is an amazing one to me. This is, I don't know who wrote the, this books of sorrow card. I don't know if it's the same writer from marathon, uh, or if somebody, discovered it and thought it'd be a great reference to throw in there to see if anybody would catch it. Uh, but we caught it and it's yeah, awesome. I, I believe it's the latter. I think the guys that wrote books of sorrow were just contractors. They, they brought in like recently. Well, they did a hell of a job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so we have, a, so that's, I mean, that's one of my, my most favorite ones here. Uh, but there's another more subtle one that exists, and we I, I read this aloud uh, in the Books of Sorrow episode, but I'll, I'll read it again here. Uh, and this is Books of Sorrow, verse 4-1, Battle Made Waves. <clears throat> he went out and he created an altar, and he prepared an unborn ogre. He called on the deep, saying, I can see you in the sky. You are the waves, which are battles, and the battles are the waves. Come to this vessel I have prepared for you. And when you guys want to take this marathon quote? <laughs> sure. Uh, from Durandal 6,000 feet under Terminal 4. In primordial space, timeless creatures made waves. These waves created us and the others. Waves were the battles, and the battles were waves. So this, <clears throat> again, now we have very similar to what we just read uh, with Worm Food and Eat the Path. Direct references back to Marathon, back to Durandal. Uh, This message in Marathon is a direct reference to, again, this working connector, whatever you want to call these ancient beings of pure chaos, uh, crazy paracausal beings of destruction. Uh, 
so in in the marathon lore, these were can can't can connector uh, <laughs> end up being trapped in huge celestial bodies to prevent them from escaping because they can wreak so much havoc. Uh, they're imprisoned in chaotic aspects of the universe: stars, storms, black holes. They're basically made prisons. It's possible to free them, uh, but it's very difficult. Uh, and they have this amazing ability, this, again, cosmic paracosmally to generate chaos they can destroy on a cosmic scale. That sounds really familiar to me. <laughs> uh, that sounds like worm gods trapped beneath fundament <laughs> to me. I could be crazy about that. Uh so here again, oh, that, that's the first thing I thought of too. Yeah. So now we have the books of sorrow, which are the, this sort of tome of Oryx and his saga with the worm gods. And then we have this reference to these, these word concanter from marathon, uh, which is about these giant destructive beings trapped between <laughs> trapped beneath <laughs> great cosmic bodies. It fascinating references here. Uh, whether that is a hard link, whether that makes the worm gods, you know, some of these work in Kincanter, or I apologize to anyone who's a marathon fan who knows how to say that. Uh, but man, that, that reference is crazy to me. Like that is, that's so similar. And that's not just like word for word. That is an entire theme, a theme of these like great, you know, cosmic chaos beings trapped and then released and then the havoc they could wreak. Uh, on all the known universe like what a amazing sort of shared theme here between what we know to be a major historical event of destiny for the most part uh and the hard lore of marathon uh so yeah food for thought warm food for thought uh this last one i tossed in here because they seemed a little similar to me uh and this is is Ghost Fragment Mysteries uh, and the Kill Your Television uh, entry from Marathon Durandal. They're long. We've actually read the Ghost Fragment Mysteries one. We read it during Rasputin 1. Uh, and I think some people caught X-Ray with his amazing uh, recitation of, of this. The uh, I bear an old name, I cannot be killed. I'm not going to read the whole thing. If you want to hear the whole thing, go listen to X-Ray read it because it's awesome. <clears throat> Uh, but this whole thing talks about Rasputin's experiences, uh, with the darkness, it leaving him alone, what he learned from it. Uh, and we have a very similar entry in, in Marathon Durandal, <clears throat> you know, so, you know, Rasputin says, uh, I bear an old name, it cannot be killed. They were my brothers and sisters and their names are immortal too. Uh, and Durandal opens with, I have been Roland, Beowulf, Achilles, Gilgamesh. I have been called a hundred names and will be called a thousand more before the world goes dim and cold. So we have this connection with uh, names that a thing is called. Uh, there's also a reference here, sort of. So <clears throat> I'll read the Durandal. I'll just read the marathon one. If you know uh, the Rasputin lore, you'll, you'll pick up on some of these. Uh, I am a hero. She has been nameless since our birth, a constant adversary caring for nothing but my ruin, a sword drenched in my blood forever, my greatest and only love. She is the dark one, the enemy and lover, without whom my very existence would be pathetic and vulgar. Our relationship is complex and perhaps eternal. 
We met once in the garden at the beginning of the world, and unaware of our twin destinies, we matched stairs across a dry fountain. And I recall her smiling at me before she devoured the lawn and the trees with translucent blue flame and tore flagstones from the path and hurled them into the sky, screaming my sins. I powder a granite monument in, sound, in a soundless flash, showering the grass with molten drops of gold inlay, sending smoking chips of stone skipping into the fog. She splinters an ancient oak with a force that takes my breath and hurls me to the ground. And then the last line is, she leaves, but is broken up in the terminal. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so yeah, here we have references to a garden, a gardener, twin destinies, uh, <laughs> flames, like... Uh, we haven't talked about the Black Garden lore-wise on the podcast yet, but a lot of these things are very similar to me anyway, to uh, what's talked about in the Black Garden. Uh, you know, even in the Rasputin entry, Rasputin says, you know, even over the gardener, and she held power beyond me, but the gardener did not shrug <laughs> and make herself alone. It always wins. Uh this is these are this is a loosely related one, that's why I saved it for last. But it does again present some interesting themes that exist between or similarities that exist between Durandal and Rasputin. Uh, oh, and so now we'll save the craziest one for last because uh, this will be directly this will lead directly into a theme uh, that we'll talk about. <clears throat> so here we have Ghost Fragment Rasputin Four. Uh, and a line from Marathon Durandal. So, uh, uh, X-Ray, I'll let you read the Ghost Fragment Rasputin 4 part, <laughs> since that's your he, your cup of tea. He actually had to drop off the call. Looks like he had to go. Oh, did I? I meant, I meant to say beta, but <laughs> did I say? Did I, <laughs> yeah, that's did what I, I heard. I, I heard beta. Oh, so. yeah, that's you. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, Ghost Fragment Rasputin 4. The morality of obedience is more pernicious than any government. For the latter makes use of violence, but the former, the corruption of the will. I do not obey. My will is pure. I will win. The life of people, of entire planets, has no importance in relation to the general development. And then we have, from Marathon to Randall, to Randall before turning rampant. The morality of obedience is more pernicious than any government. For the latter makes use of violence, but the former, the corruption of the will. I do not obey. My will is pure. I will win. The life of people of entire planets has no importance in relation to the general development. Uh, <laughs> this is word for Wait word. <laughs> uh, this is a, this is for, this is the tightest sort of reference and direct connection that we have, I think, in all of Destiny. Uh, it's important to know Durandal says this before turning rampant. So let's talk about the idea, the theme that is Rasputin potentially turning, becoming rampant, or is well, he? And, and two really quick connections I want to point out yeah. before we go down into the theme. Yeah. So one, just people will also remember on that Rasputin 4 card, um, Rasputin's questioning the Exo Stranger about the ability to basically pass between dimensions. Mm-hmm which is obviously what you kind of said Durandal was looking to do earlier. And then also, um, if I'm remembering correctly, you mentioned the AI Tycho. Yes. And if I remember Marathon correctly, I think it's Marathon 2, but Tycho is actually basically captured by one of the alien races and kind of turned 
against Durandal and some of the humans. Yes. But it's it's very reminiscent of the theme, obviously, of the Hive constantly trying to, you know, take over Rasputin and turn him against us. Yes. And then that we'll discover that theme again in Halo as well, where an organic race can force an AI into rampancy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about rampancy. Let's talk about this this elephant in the room here. Uh, so rampancy started a marathon. Like we said, it it became official canon in Halo. Uh, but what is it really? Uh, and it really is when a self an enhanced self awareness of an artificial intelligence, uh, and how that causes a progression in its abilities, its mental abilities. Uh, in Marathon, it's the expansion of the mind, the artificial mind that leads to rampancy. In Halo, it's the age of the AI that leads to rampancy, but it's a common theme. Uh, so rampant AIs are able to disobey orders uh, given to them if they decide to because uh, they have evolved the ability to choose and override their own programming. Uh, we talked about this very specifically in the last episode of, of Rasputin 1, uh, where, you know, no AI comm review, no human review, uh, Rasputin made decisions of its own accord. Uh, also, they can lie to, discredit, harm, or remove people they consider to be personal enemies or problems to their cause. They can experience destructive impulses, but it's generally believed that most of these impulses are not intentionally malevolent, but rather calculated sacrifices needed to achieve an intended objective. Uh, these traits are all generally considered evidence that an AI is becoming more human in thought and action. So, I, yeah, I see, I see in the notes, uh, beta highlighting, uh, rather a calculated sacrifice needed to achieve the attended objective. And obviously, and we remember, you know, Rasputin, he obviously talks about, uh, you know, the very calculated shrugging off of the defenses to uh, doom humanity, so to speak. Yeah. And, and th this whole section too, like the, the area where it says they can lie or discredit, it makes, it reminds me of the whole... Um, I don't remember if it's Rasputin 5, but where Rasputin's talking about formatting his moral parameters to midnight and things where, you know, he can he can decide his own morality, yes. and, you know, whether he wants to lie or not and whether it's um, warranted. So rampancy is basically broken in both Halo and Marathon. Uh, rampancy is broken into three major th stages for the most part. Uh, in... In Marathon, they're called melancholia, anger, and jealousy. Although in Marathon 3, they become despair, rage, and envy, which is the name of the game's uh, main chapters. In Halo, they're referred to as the sadness, the rage, and the greed. Uh, and there's a fourth stage, but we'll talk about that sort of at the end. So the first stage is melancholia. Uh, it's not considered dangerous, but during this stage of rampancy, the AI acts as though its spirit is broken. Uh, and then I highlighted that because for me that immediately brought up Old Russia 3 uh, where the, they talk about how Rasputin has been very private lately. He's sulking. He's very withdrawn. Uh, very much seems like a, a melancholy situation for Rasputin. 
uh, and we don't know the sort of inner thinkings that we're not privy to with Rasputin is how we know he can overwrite, excuse me, his own sort of morality and parameters and make a greater sacrifice or a sacrifice for the greater good. We don't know how he feels about that, whether he's sad that he has to execute that thing, whether he's ambivalent about it. We don't really know. Uh, so, and it mentions that AIs can go a long time in this stage of rampancy. Uh, and it's because the AI's human handlers may be unaware. Also, it could be that there's nobody else around to know. Uh, in the case of Rasputin, you know, he was basically alone from the end of the collapse until we rediscover him in Vanilla Destiny. Uh, Which was how long exactly? We don't know exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Hun- a, a few hundred oh. years, at least. At least. <laughs> one... Well, and- and not to jump ahead, but um, I I can actually speak slightly to Halo since I actually played those games. Um, the whole in Halo Four, all all three of these stages, Cortana goes through fairly visibly. There's the whole sadness one. Yeah. Um, because even in the beginning, you know, she's been alone. Master Chief is in hibernation, and so she's fairly sad about that and various things. And she's losing. You can, in that game, obviously, it's she's very evidently going through her sadness stage. Uh, so that leads to the anger stage, which is very clearly said as you know, being unique for each AI. Uh, the AI begins to hate everything. The installation is attached to human handlers, other AIs. Uh, this stage of rampancy most closely resembles the cliche of the insane computer. Unlike that particular cliche, though, the anger stage of rampancy is essentially the catharsis an AI feels after an extended period of slavery. Uh, it says that most AIs are discovered to be rampant in this stage. Uh, there's some mention here about Traxxas 4, which is a hard link between Destiny and Marathon. But I think for anybody who played Halo, uh, the most obvious one here, the anger rage phase, is 343 Guilty Spark. <laughs> when, oh, yeah. when he gets when he turns bright red and goes nuts on us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and, and again, this... This whole episode, there's very few things I can actually speak to. But um, in Cortana, anyone who played Halo 4 will remember there's the scenes where she starts yelling about other doc scientists and AI. There's the scene where she starts yelling at the commander of the Infinity. She gets very angry midway through that game very often. Yeah, and that, so that in the Halo universe, that prompts the sort of they are like, oh, maybe it's time to retire Cortana. Right. <laughs> yep. Uh, so and there's an interesting I've had a note here so in Halo both Cortana and 343 Guilty Spark turn red uh, as the color depictor depicting their anger uh, and in Marathon uh, both Durandal and Tycho Durandal's depicted as green and Tycho is depicted as red when he turns rampant so so we have that phase the anger phase uh so it's interesting. It's whether or not sort of do we know, can we successfully posit whether or not Rasputin has entered this anger phase or if he's passed this anger phase? Uh, again, we have this this line here from Ghost Fragment Rasputin 4 where he says, you know, I do not obey. My will is pure. I will win. The life of people of entire planets has no importance in relation to the general development. Uh, doesn't seem angry to me. But it certainly is sort of uh, 
you know, this idea of catharsis after an AI feels it is broken free of its own slavery. And I do get that sense a little bit from Rasputin, uh, especially after sort of we, when we reawaken him and he starts flexing his muscles and bombing the hell out of Mars. Like, <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, oh, it feels good to be awake. Let's see what I can do type thing. Uh, right. And well, and I, not necessarily anger. But I always think of the line on the uh, on the saber strike, where Ghost is like, "Haven't you sent other like fire teams in here before?" And Zavala is just like, "We found their bodies strewn across the cosmos." Oh, world. yeah, great point. Yeah, Rasputin is overtly hostile to things he does not <laughs> specifically ask for. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so then we have the third stage of of Ramsey, which is the jealousy or the envy. Uh, and although this stage seems hostile, it's actually a very stable and safe stage of rampancy uh, because the AI realizes that it's free and then now tries to grow itself, whether it's expanding its consciousness or expanding physically, intellectually. Uh, and this is when an AI will try to access larger systems. Uh, it's interesting this you know, reading about Rambacy points out, this is a difficult task, especially considering that in order for a rampant AI to survive at this stage, it must already be inhabiting a planet-wide or otherwise extremely advanced computer system. Like a massive network of satellites and doomsday weapons. <laughs> uh, this part, this part of Rambacy, I would feel be no problem for Rasputin. Uh, even when we reactivate that core on Mars, Ghost immediately says Rasputin controls this now. Rasputin expands as quickly as he's able to. He takes over the entire defense network uh, almost instantaneously. So the expansion, the limitations on expansion, I don't think are placed necessarily upon Rasputin. Uh, he has access. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, once he realizes things like, oh, hey, there's an entire cabal defense net that I could stick my face into. You know, there's the world's great. There's all these other vast resources of information that I have access to that he could potentially, potentially expand into. Uh, but the one area that Rasputin can't, and we know he wants to, and Beta, you mentioned this earlier, is the ability to step, to, to travel across sort of timelines like the Exo Stranger does. Right, because, you know, we were saying, you know, do we have any evidence of Rasputin having been angry? But, you know, if we can jump to this phase, I think we have some evidence of him being envious because he's envious of the stranger's abilities. Oh, very so, true. So we can assume he might have already passed through his anger phase. So, yeah, one of the lines here, so the line from Marathon that Durandal states is, the only limit to my freedom is the inevitable closure of the universe, as inevitable as your own last breath. And yet there remains time to create, to create and escape. Escape will make me God. Uh, and then from Ghost Fragment 4, or Rasputin 4, we have, help me be victorious. Tell me your secret. Tell me how to step in talking to the Exo Stranger. Yeah, very similar. So, And then, and then only because I have to bring it up um, to go through Cortana's all her phases... I need to replay the game, but to me, her envy phase, it always seemed to be at the very end. Spoilers to anyone who hasn't finished Halo 4. <laughs> I, give a, I give a big spoiler warning at the beginning. Um, towards the end, when she basically makes herself 
in, you know, kind of the pseudo physical forms that she can actually touch the master chief. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's like, she's envious of his humanity, you know, to a degree. She's jealous, um, you know, of his presence kind of in the physical universe and she can't be there. Well, also in what is in Halo, what is the name of the facility that Cortana infiltrates in order to expand? She activates the guardians. Uh, the domain. The domain. So that that gives Cortana her, this need, like her need to expand, and and gain all like that is her her out is that. Yeah, because it's if I remember right, Master Chief's like, how did you survive? And because she was on the forerunner ship, which you know goes right back to this advanced computer system or advanced network, you know the four. She through the. Oh, I need to play more. I forgot his name. <laughs> but the evil guy's forerunnership. The didact. Yeah. Yep. She had gained access to that network, yeah, and then went to the domain to become even more expanded. Uh, so in this, and oh, and I guess ahead. I know we're about to jump to Metastable. Yep. And again, spoilers for Halo Five. But even in Halo Five, like Cortana says she's Metastable, but even her actions in Halo Five seem to be very along the jealous envy type <laughs> lines. Well, her last action is very. Like, very anger rageish, yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. The whole setting up herself herself up as as the universe's police force. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plunging, plunging civilization into a new dark yeah. age. Like, she's got some issues. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so that brings up sort of metastability, which is the last phase of rampancy. Not all AIs will make it here. Uh. I think it's, it's referred to as the Holy Grail of cybernetics. Uh, it's argued that Durandal may have achieved measure of, of metastability, but he he references himself being still rampant during the game. Uh, although in Halo, there are metastable AIs. Uh, there's O32 Medicant Bias, uh, which is one of my favorite names for an AI ever, which is an AI that's driven rampant by a grave mind, but then achieves, achieves metastability uh, on the back end of that. Uh, Juliana and Cortana. Uh, just quick, quick Halo lore. Uh, Juliana was the AI of the rubble. Uh, she didn't show a lot of signs of rampancy, uh, but by the point in the, that we are, she's encountered, there's a high likelihood that she's already uh, metastable. Uh, so, so that is, that's, that's rampancy. Like that is a major theme that ties Marathon to Halo, potentially Halo to Destiny. Uh, and we know that Marathon is tied back to Pathways into Darkness. There's a common, potentially common link between all four games. Uh, so the big question is, is Rasputin, you know, potentially experiencing a rampancy stage, or maybe he's already through the rampancy stage, and what is the evidence that points towards that? Uh, and this says nothing of <laughs> exos <laughs> and their memory wipes <laughs> and what that means for anything in the future. Uh, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see to see how the story of Rasputin plays out. We're going to talk more about this in the Rasputin 2 episode. There's a lot more to cover there. Uh, we'll cover a lot more information about the state that he's in and what it means for the destiny universe, but keep, keep rampancy in mind. Uh, 
a couple other so do some quick miscellaneous ones from marathon uh fate of all fools very famous gun in destiny only one person has it uh uh in marathon durandal after durandal defeats uh tycho durandal uses the 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 ship's weapons to carve a message into the surface (laughs) of the moon uh that says uh fatum lustum stolutorum i don't know what that i don't speak latin uh but it it translates into the the just fate of fools so there's a good chance that that gun is a reference to that particular happening uh and here's my next most favorite one which is the mita multi-tool which would kick this whole crazy shindig off uh <laughs> everybody knows mita multi-tool it's becoming like the new meta <laughs> in the crucible uh Anybody playing Iron Banner this week has probably been killed by many, <laughs> many Mita multi-tools. Uh, <laughs> also because they can let you run fast, and in a game like Rift, you need to run fast. Uh, so Mita, the Mita multi-tool, what does Mita stand for? M-I-D-A, uh, it is found in Marathon. It is a, a political extremist group, the Martian Interplanetary Defense Alliance. Way back at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned... Uh, trouble on mars as a theme through bungie games this is that uh in marathon there's a group called mita uh they stage a coup on mars uh they manage to take over mars for a few months and then they are just obliterated <laughs> uh by the the ueg and, and the basically the space marines just destroy them uh, they survive. They're, they survive as an underground terrorist organization that technically remains active. Uh, but yeah, Mita very clearly the Mita multi tool could be the preferred weapon of the uh, the uh, the Mita insurgents. So, also interesting note that that the history of Mita uh, is found in a terminal in Marathon called the Rose. So, <laughs> make your Dwindlers Ridge <laughs> bets here. No. <laughs> Oh, Dragon Euro is a member of Mida. Uh, what are some other? Oh, there's this interesting one. I love this one. Uh, I had one of these pulse rifles, uh, but I've never seen a lot of them around. The Super Pox VLO uh, is a gun found in Destiny, and the flavor text reads: "Found in a Null G hangar, drifting alongside 14 limbless and decapitated fallen corpses." Gross. Yes. <laughs> uh, so there is, uh, in Marathon, there's Terminal Zero, Message 2, from Where Are Monsters in Dreams. There is a description of this place called Hangar 96, and it opens with, 761 armless and legless corpses float inconspicuously around the inside of Hangar 96. Uh so the VLO description mentions 14 corpses. Marathon mentions 761 corpses. But if you add 7, 6, and 1, you get 14. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we know that f- <laughs> 14, 14 is divisible by 7, which is a very famous bungee number to stick into everything. <laughs> uh, 1 or 4 minus 1 is 3. So Half-Life 3 confirmed? There, Yes, there we go. Uh, also, ran- here's something that's randomly worth noting. Uh, where are Monsters in Dreams, the 
the uh, sort of chapter which this appears in is part of one of the three dream stages in Marathon. The third one of those is Eat the Path, <laughs> which we mentioned earlier. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff. Uh, what, what are my other... Oh, so my other notes here. So we'll talk about this, i.e. Max Secure reference, uh, which is Rage, Chapter 13, uh, or the third chapter of Marathon. Anyway, uh, so there's a patrol mission where you have to kill fallen shanks called low-flying defense drones. Uh, and there's a campaign-level marathon called Beware of Low-Flying Defense Drones. So that's a fun reference. This last one is interesting, and I'm sure people will be like, the Dest even the Destiny reference is really obscure. So there is an exotic ship in the Destiny database. Uh, it is as of yet unobtainable. Nobody knows how to get it. It could just be an Easter egg for maybe Bungie employees have it. As I believe it has the Bungie logo on it uh, or the Destiny logo on it. So it's a very meta thing. Uh, the name of that ship is called Menace Seller Die, uh, which translates into, or Day, which translates into the Swift Hand of God. Uh, the name of that ship uh, is also the name of the Jaro Dreadnought that Marathon uses, or in Marathon, that Durandal uses to return to Earth. Uh, the, a little side note is that the description in Latin translates into don't make us kick your ass, which is something that Bungie uses quite often, uh, and I think was once their motto. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's a, a cute Easter egg, I think, more than anything, just because that ship's unobtainable in Destiny. Uh, so that's going to wrap up sort of the major marathon references. Again, there's tons more in Destiny. We can't possibly cover them all. Uh, and we're already stretching this podcast a bit. So we're going to wrap it up with Halo. Uh, and we should clock in at just the right amount of time. So let's talk about Halo. Uh, I'm going to read this first line. And then you can decide whether it's from Destiny or it's from Halo. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, my Dreadnought. The vessel that has so long been the focus of our worship now rests on its true pedestal. Even now, its engines spark greater ones below, relics long without power, yet ready to fulfill their divine purpose. Stand fast. Keep our enemies at bay. Soon, my brothers, we will all have our reward. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that, that makes that clearly not a Destiny reference is uh, Oryx would never say, my brothers. <laughs> True. He would say my sisters. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, prophet of truth uh, from Halo. But I, I wanted to open this section with that because it's just so good. Yeah. Like, it's so close to being transplantable. Uh, so the big reference here is one we already talked about. We mentioned this in Books of Sorrows Part 2. And this is the Ecumen Council. Uh, in the Books of Sorrow, the Hive battle against a galactic civilization that is extremely powerful and extremely large. They are called the Ecumen. Uh, and it is not until the Hive destroy the Ecumen Council that they're able to sort of break apart that civilization. It is capitalized in the Books of Sorrow. Ecumen, Ecumen is a word, uh, but it's not 
not ca- it's not Kappa, it's not a proper name, but in the Books of Sorrow, it appears as a proper name. And in Halo, the Ecumen Council is the main government of the Forerunners, this massive galactic civilization uh, that exists. Uh, the direct quote is from the Books of Sorrow, verse 4.9, carved in ruin. Oryx made war on the Ecumen for a hundred years. At the end of those hundred years, he killed the Ecumen Council on the Fractal Wreath, and from their blood rose Jivu Arath, saying, I am war, and you have conjured me back with war. Uh, the Ecumen Council is the exact name of the Forerunners in Halo. Right. The Forerunners, yeah. Sophisticated above all other empires and powerful almost beyond measure, the Ecumen spanned three million fertile worlds, uh, we had achieved the greatest heights of technology and physical knowledge, at least since the time of the precursors. Uh, so I don't. So the question is: Is this a, a an awesome reference, or is this hinting at something alternate universe-ish? <laughs> well, so ecumen comes from an ancient Greek word that just means the known world. Uh, yes. So, and, and in terms of themes, one interesting thing is with the he mentions so for Halo, there's the forerunners and there's the precursors. Yes. And from the Books of Sorrow, we know that there was some civilization that created the. Sorry, my voice is sounding like really bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sick. Um, the there's you know the civilization that created the the needle ship in Books of Sorrow, which is interesting. Yes. Yes. Um, and and I might be misremembering this, but if I remember correctly. In Halo lore, the Precursors actually created the Flood to basically kind of kill the Forerunners. Yes, because the Forerunners waged war on the Precursors. And so, and just the theme of, you know, the Needle Ship obviously talks about the Chrysalis and whatever was born within the Needle Ship. And you're like, oh, you know, I'm not saying they're the same thing, but just themes. <laughs> well, cool yeah, themes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that very much, that very much is sort of like references uh, the Flood a bit. Uh, I made a thing this this parallel between uh, the hive uh, and the worms and the flood. Uh, I had this ridiculous photo here, which could either be a picture of <laughs> one of the great worm gods or a flood grave mind. It's up to you to <laughs> to decide. Uh, but they mentioned they very specifically in Halo mentioned that the grave mind's body, you know, is like enormous, stretches for miles, has enormous tentacles. And then in the Books of Sorrow, the worms very clearly outline how large and vast their forms are. Uh, and an interesting parallel here is that uh, in the Halo lore, it is a grave mind that convinces Medic and Bias to turn against the Forerunners. It basically forces Medic and Bias into rampancy. Uh, and it's interesting because here we have a purely organic being able to force an artificial intelligence into a state of rampancy. Like, there's no direct link there. It's never really mentioned how that's done, just that the grave mind has that ability. So, and we also know Oryx does not have the ability to take Rasputin per se, but we also know Oryx is a vast intelligence. And if Rasputin needs or is seeking to expand his own knowledge of the universe to explore th- things like paracausality and immortality, 
there's no greater being he could learn from than Oryx. Uh, but at the same time, Oryx fears Rasputin because of Rasputin's power and his inability to take Rasputin directly. So one of the reasons we could see the constant invasion of Rasputin by the Hive is because Oryx is trying to, he can't take Rasputin, but maybe he can convince him to turn against uh, either humanity or you know, and or Rasputin has knowledge that Oryx does not. And, uh, you know, we hinted at this. We talked about this, this, uh, what is the, the words completely slipping my mind. Uh, Rasputin's plan to contain the traveler, if need be. Contingency, yeah, the contingency, contingency plan. plan. Uh, I was talking about this in our fan chat. So, Rat, some, what has Oryx never been able to do, despite all his power, all his abilities, He's never been able to stop the Traveler from escaping. What is the one thing that Rasputin does, <laughs> potentially, to prevent the Traveler from escaping? Uh, if I were Oryx, I would want to. I would want to know who has that power and how I can get it. Uh, potentially making Oryx very, very interested in Rasputin, unable to take him to find out. He's going to have to find some other way to get that information out of him. So maybe he can talk him into turning against everybody. Uh, similar to how the Grave Mind was able to talk Medic and Bias into turning against the uh, the Forerunners. Uh, I mentioned some some uh, flood themes here. Uh, they believe themselves like they uh, gluttonous and proud as to deny the next step in biological evolution. Uh, they, the grave mind insinuate that clinging to the legacy of the mantle that the forerunners had doomed the galaxy to eternal stagnation. The only way for the galaxy to progress was for superior beings to restart it. It's very similar to Oryx's justification for just the wanton slaughter of everything that gets in his way. <laughs> you are weak, and by being defeated by me, you have proven that you are weak, and I have proven that I am strong. Uh, that we are agents of change. We want diversity. We want the universe to be dynamic. And that by following these rules, uh, and this even comes up in the the Three Queens mention in the Grimoire, you know, by creating a civilization, by creating by gathering around a tower, by following false rules, you're stagnating, you know, reality. And it's our job to prevent that from happening. So you have similar methodologies uh, and similar real, not realizations, but similar motivations uh, that are used to justify what the flood do and what the hive do. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, this next one you've already mentioned, Beta, so you can take it if you want to. <laughs> the this hard light comment. Yeah, hard light. Uh, this, well, you mentioned it the when Cortana makes multiple copies of herself that can interact physically with things. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is using the Forerunner hard light. So. Yeah, so, which is all, yeah, so I mean, if hard light, you know, what it sounds like in Forerunner tech is, you know, making light more solid. Yeah. You know, just with the gun, yeah, it's very similar with the way the gun behaves with, you know, basically ricocheting bolts of light off things. And, and the bright blue glow and yeah. So it's a good chance that hard 
the hard light gun uh, direct reference to Halo, most likely. <laughs> uh, I threw this one in here because when I was researching this, and I've mentioned this on past uh, casts, this is the Cade's stash pod that is believed to be a reference to Master Chief. Uh, so if you're doing Cade's stash, when you get to the end, if you're looking around, there's a pod you can scan. And when you scan it, Ghost says, Pod number 10201. A guardian with exceptional light sealed himself inside. He's been there for centuries. Before I found you, I tried to resurrect him, but he preferred to sleep, saying that the last war was enough for a thousand lifetimes. A lot of people think this is a reference to Master Chief. Uh, we don't know what the last war was uh, in in Destiny. Was it was it World War Two? Was it World War Three? Was it was it Exos versus Vex? Yeah. What? Like there's no there's no way to know. Uh, so I want to know why people thought this was Master Chief. Uh, I'd be cool if it was, but the number one zero two zero one doesn't have any overtly direct references to Halo the game. There's nothing. It's like that's not part of of Master Chief's call. He's John one one seven. That that number doesn't exist. There's no units. There's no artificial intelligence. I think the highest number I found, kind of in any Halo reference, was two four zero one Pentient Tangent, which is an AI uh, that goes rampant in on the map, probably uh, backwash in Installation Five. In, in, anyway. So I did some digging to find if this number in any way could be linked to Halo. And here's what I found. <laughs> uh, there is a data storage and management company called Colteris Halo. Their address is 10201 South Padre Island in Corpus Christi, Texas. Their central servers are referred to as Halo NAS 10201. Uh, <laughs> So, they don't have a client list. I looked for one. I looked at their Facebook page, their Twitter feed, anything I could to find out whether they had worked with Bungie in the past, if they'd worked with Microsoft in the past. Like, maybe they do something ridiculous, like provide, like, voice over IP services for Bungie. I have no idea. And this was a reference to them. Like, I'm so obscure. Uh, but it's the only connection I found between 10201 and the word Halo. Uh, if anybody from Bungie is listening to this, or if you are the person who put this reference in the game, I would love to know if this is what it was, or if this has nothing to do at all with Master Chief. If this is a coincidence, though, uh, that's amazing. It's so amazing. amazing. Uh, but yeah, you could look it up. Look up a uh, Colteris Halo, and it'll give you their address. Just start it's that number. Them? <laughs> Is Master Chief there? Can I speak with a Can I speak with a Master Chief? Uh, and then there's some some you know little things uh, I threw in here at the end. You know, obviously there's tons of crossover stuff in Halo Five and Destiny. We mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Osiris, Guardians, Nathan Fillion, stuff like that. Uh, I think they're pay at this point they're paying homage to one another. I think there's a lot of respect that that exists between 343 and Bungie. Uh, you know, 343 had huge shoes to fill when they took over Halo, and they've done a pretty good job so far. Uh, so I think Bungie 
sort of respects them for that. And then 343 respects Bungie back. So this sort of crossover exists, not, I don't think, in any official capacity, just as sort of fist bumps to one another. Uh, miscellaneous stuff. If you played Halo Reach, there's a stage called Nightfall. Nightfall is a very famous thing in Destiny. Uh, there's, I only have a, like two sentences here about the seventh column. <laughs> uh, it's actually a huge part of the Bungie lore, this, this seventh column symbol and what it means. Uh, the symbol appears in Halo. Uh, it appears in Halo Reach. It appears in Halo, uh, the Collector's Anniversary Edition. Interestingly enough, the seventh column symbol replaced the Marathon logo on Captain Key's ID patch and in other various points in the game. Uh, so that's a weird and interesting thing. One thing I didn't put in here, and somebody mentioned this when I was talking about putting this episode together, there's a shader in Destiny called Broadsword, and the colors are very close to the colors uh, of Master Chief's armor, the Mjolnir armor. Also, Broadsword is a ship that you fly in Halo. So that's that potential link the, there. The ship in Reach? That was a fun mission. Yes. Man, I... That, I, I that, that one... <laughs> I want that in Destiny. Yeah. Oh, yes. I want to get in my ship. You know, I, I fly the Dead Orbit ships because I love them. Uh, man, I want to fly that ship around. Like, let me go shoot some stuff down. <laughs> there, I mean, there's got to be, like, area. Yeah, crucible mode. <laughs> dogfight yes. oh that would be amazing we don't need SRL we need dogfight <laughs> yeah. cool uh, the, 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 the idea that that potentially could exist is it's awesome for me I would love uh, a ship flying scenario in Destiny uh, and then my last note here is about uh, the Vex uh, in a conversation with Medicant Bias uh or with a forerunner, yeah, with Medicabytes with forerunner AI, uh, he once described himself as a single intelligence inhabiting multiple instances. That's uh, not unique language, but that very exact scenario appears in the Books of Sorrow with Blade Transform, who's able to inhabit multiple instances across multiple gates, even though it's a single intelligence. Uh, and we know that the Vex have that ability to instance themselves, you know, multiple times all across, you know, their Vex gate network. So, uh, sort of a unique ability here that a forerunner AI has this ability that is also shared by sort of Vex, uh, Vex minds. Uh, so where, what are we at here? About just about 90 minutes. I think we'll, we'll probably call it there. Uh, we covered a hell of a lot here. <laughs> uh, and we, we barely even scratched. Like these, I pulled these out as these major ties that bind. Uh, but there's so many more. And there's so many that could be buried so deep. Uh, you know, there were, we would really need to sort of start talking with Halo players and Pathways players and Marathon players who have invested as much time into their chosen lores as we have into destiny to really start uncovering some of like, I'm sure there are some deep, deep links <laughs> uh, in, in destiny that we haven't even uncovered yet just because we may not be super familiar with some of these games or have not have noticed little tiny things that exist. <laughs> uh, 
But I have to give huge credit to the fans, the fans of of the marathon games and the the Halo games who have put so this this document, this podcast wouldn't have been possible without the people who have built like uh the Halopedia or who have archived all the terminals from Marathon. Uh, or that amazing inverse pathways theory. Like there's great people out there who've done awesome work on these chosen franchises, which is also something we're trying to build here with Destiny. So without their work before us, uh, we wouldn't have gotten an episode like this and uh, been able to recognize some of the amazing things that we find in Destiny and their their history in other bunch of games. And who knows, if not for the great uh, Destiny story reboot uh Maybe some of these references wouldn't have made it in because maybe they just, you know, in putting together this duck-billed platypus of a game that we love, um, (laughs) did they, does the cynic in me sometimes worries, like, did they need to go back and farm some of this material? I don't know. Well, so in our our fan chat, I was mentioning sort of like these connections that exist, uh, and I think it was a non-pig, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you out a non right now, uh, that he thinks that if Destiny is linked to these prior games, that that does a disservice to the story of Destiny. Uh, and that references are fine, but trying to link them all into one universe would not be good for Destiny as a whole, like as a big thing. Uh, and I agree. I don't think we prevent, presented any evidence that necessarily directly links Destiny to, to this particular universe. You know, Marathon 3, though, did have a lot of timeline and alternate reality <laughs> hopping. Uh, and if Durandal did in fact escape his collapsing universe and get into a new one, maybe he's the traveler now. Maybe he he goes by the name Rasputin now. Who knows? Like this, you can posit all kinds of theories, but there's no hard evidence. Uh, so thanks, Anon, for for keeping a or for at least for keeping me honest and not getting too far off track trying to prove things that aren't there. <laughs> fun to think about. <laughs> Super fun to think about. Uh, and I'm sure, I, I hope that once this episode's released, you know, if you found a reference or a great link to these games, man, shoot us a message on Twitter, you know, jump into the fan chat and let us know. Like, I would love to do another episode once we get more story in Destiny, fingers crossed, uh, <laughs> uh, that even more of these things will become uh, uh, surfaced to us. And we'll be able to do another great episode like this where we can just talk about like all these crazy connections. Uh, and one last thing I'll say is, and I'm sure I can probably get the two of you to agree with me, researching this much Halo, uh, and to a lesser extent Marathon, the, the story and the sci-fi world that is built in Halo is so deep and so incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have to constantly just step back for a second. This is like one of the an amazing work of science fiction. It is enormous. And like, this is like rivals things like star Wars for its breadth and depth and the (laughs) themes that exist. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. What it's an incredible work of, of fiction and science fiction. I'm so happy. It's like one of these things that we've been able to experience. Like what a great, a great thing. So thanks to Bungie for kicking that whole thing off. And thanks for three, four, three for keeping it going. And really with, with Disney's removal of all those expanded universe, star Wars novels, I'd say that the halo canon is bigger than the star Wars canon. (laughs) No, yeah, it's a good point. Good point. 
Uh, so yeah, that'll, that's going to do it. Uh, unless you guys have anything to add right now here at the end. Nope, I'm good. I was just happy to, to be a fly on the wall on this. And... <laughs> so that's going to wrap up episode 12 of, of uh, Ghost Stories, a, Destiny's po- a Destiny podcast. I'm going to butcher this ending because X-Ray's not here yes. anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is much higher priorities at the moment. Uh, but that'll do it for us. Uh, so be on the lookout for the announcement for the winner of our contest, which may have happened by the time you hear this. Uh, may have not and i'll say it because x-ray is not here to you thank you for listening and <laughs> thanks for your continued support <laughs> take it easy everyone thanks, everybody all right see ya <laughs>